The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Our scripture reading comes today from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 36 and verses 36 through verse 47. And Pastor Josh will unpack that for us real soon. So if you have your Bibles open or your phones, you can follow along. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread And to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many words and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, whoever had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again, guys. So we are in a series called Life Together. uh, And we're going to be looking at what Christian community was designed to be, what it was formed to be. Uh, But before we jump in, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the message. Heavenly Father God, you are a God who designed us to be in relationship with you, in relationship with our brothers and sisters in the church. God, I pray that as we encounter your word today, as we encounter those who have gone before us, Lord, that we are able to learn from your word, be shaped by it, and sent by it, Lord, to uh, be a different kind of Christian community. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So this idea of life together actually came from a book called Life Together by a pastor theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich uh, was born in the early 1900s. And he grew up and actually rose, oh, I've got that ring too. I was terrified. Uh, <laughs> um, he, he, he grew up uh, about the same time and became a pastor about the same time that Hitler and the Nazis were rising to power in Germany. So he was in Germany. Uh, his family was from a very well-known family. His uh, mom's aunt was a duchess. His uh, father was a world-renowned neurosurgeon, and all the kids were just crazy smart and crazy talented. Have you ever seen those families where, like, all of them just seem to have, like, gotten, like, the special miracle grow, and they're all, like, musicians, or they're all artists, or they're all, you know, professors? That was his family. And Bonhoeffer was kind of the star pupil. He had scholarships to go and play piano professionally at university. He had scholarships to go and study neurosurgery like his father. But at the end of the day, he fell in love with Christ. 
He fell in love with a God who would go to rather extreme lengths to have a relationship with him. And so he became a pastor. And again, he became a pastor right when Nazi Germany was rising to power. And it's one of the scars of the church where the church overall, the national church in Germany, actually said, you know what, it's okay what the Nazis are doing. Now, they didn't start as full-blown concentration camps, but the church was with them in step one. And Bonhoeffer was one of the few pastors who stood up and said, hey, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Got so bad that Bonhoeffer actually got exiled, and he ended up in New York City. And he ended up in what he called the African church. And his writings on the African church are just beautiful in the sense that he fell in love with the music and the community and the vibrancy and the life of this church that was happening in Africa or in New York. And part of him wanted to stay there, but then part of him wanted to take that same heart, that same spirit back to Germany. He wanted the German people to experience that kind of faith, that kind of discipleship, that kind of community. So he heads back to Germany. And again, his life is fascinating. He was actually part of the Valkyrie plot. He tried to kill Hitler, which in my book, as pastor, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, right? Um, he ended up dying in a concentration camp, though. Uh, but in between that and coming back, uh, he started these underground seminary movements. And he would plant these churches, and he would raise up these young men and these young women to lead these churches to teach to be the gospel, to be the church in flesh. He actually started a seminary commune. And I remember I was reading the story of this community that he had created. And I was like, man, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. And you're just seeing this, all these stories of how much fun they're having and how deep they're falling in love with Jesus. You read about the early church, the book of Acts, and you're like, yeah, I want to be part of that church. Do you guys ever want to be a part of that church? That heart, that spirit, that community? Well, in Life Together, Bonhoeffer talked about that a little bit. And he has this quote. And he says, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Bonhoeffer said, The fantasy, the ideal of a perfect community will actually destroy it. And we know that in relationships, right? I want the perfect spouse. I want to be the perfect spouse. And it doesn't meet reality, and it actually ends up destroying relationships. Right? I want to go to the perfect church. I want to be the pastor of a perfect church. And when the reality doesn't meet my fantasy, doesn't meet my dreams, doesn't meet my expectations, well, then it destroys community. But Bonhoeffer said, if you want to experience real community, love those that God places around you, and it'll start to form. It'll start to create. And we're going to see that in Acts today. We're going to literally go through this verse by verse and see how God creates the first Christian community. And I'm going to be honest with you. He doesn't start where I would start. Like, I like to start with softballs. I like to start with, like, warm feelings when I'm talking to new people about Jesus, right? Right? That is not where Peter starts. The invitation starts like this. Therefore, let all Israel, and Israel literally means those who wrestle with God, so that's all of us, let all of those who wrestle with God be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. That's not a really lovey, feely, like tender-hearted moment, right? But there's a point to this. 
Why? Because when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter starts off his first church welcoming party by saying, hey, here's the deal. We're all sinners. We're all broken. This wasn't God's kickball team and he chose you first. He didn't choose me first. Right? Peter says, no, we all took part in what happened to Jesus. Peter, the one who denies him three times, says, this is our problem, our mistake. And when the people ask, so what do we do? He says, repent, be baptized, because he came, he did all of this to forgive you of your sins. And in that, what we see is that the cross became this great leveling field of Christian community. All of us come through the same way. Not because we were good enough, not because we were smart enough, not because we could sing, not because we were a pastor, but because Jesus loves broken people and we're all broken people. And one of the unique aspects of the church is us being able to say, you know what, I need a Savior today just as much as I did 10 years ago, just as much as the person coming in the door. We're all equal in God's eyes. And in that, Christian community is rather unique. And it goes on. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to that number, their number that day. And then you start to see some marks of what Christian community has. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now that's shorthand for the message of Christ, right? Jesus taught his disciples. And he said, this is the story of God. This is me fighting for you. This is what I want you to teach the next generation. And then the apostles then taught these newcomers what Jesus taught them. And then those newcomers brought in newcomers and they taught them the same message. But it's Christ's message that we gather around, right? We don't come together and say, what is Joshua thinking this week? What Facebook post did he like? What article did he read? No, we say we want to be centered on God's word. We want to be centered on the message, the foundation that was passed on to us, that was passed on to the apostles from Jesus himself, right? And so we are marked by the message of Christ. We're marked by fellowship. Bonhoeffer said, as life together. This one's hard sometimes, because sometimes I don't want to do life with people. I invested in my couch. I really like my couch, right? And yet God says, I'm inviting you into relationship with people. So I want you to love people. And yes, they're broken, just like Newsflash, I as a pastor am broken, just like every single person here today is broken. He says, but we still get to do life together, and that life together changes us. That life together creates community, creates vibrancy, right? And so we find spaces here at church. The reason why we start late every Sunday is so people can talk to one another, so you can say hi to each other. We're going to be relaunching community groups this month. We're going to be finding ways to serve together out in the community. Right? It says, and to the breaking of bread, that is New Testament shorthand for communion. And we talk about this a lot, but what does communion come from? Community union. The reason why we practice it every week is it's one of the ways that God puts us together. Right? 
He says, I want you to have union together and we have union with God. It's the sacred moment. We say, we want to do life in rhythm together. And so we break bread just like our spiritual ancestors did. And then finally, we're going to pray together. I hear a quote from Bonhoeffer about why prayer is so essential to Christian community. And we're actually going to have an opportunity to practice that. But you see these four marks of the church. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. Christ's message, prayer, life together, communion. These are the core elements of what makes Christian community Christian community. And it goes on. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is one of those parts of Scripture that I both like and get uncomfortable with, right? Where I'm like, that's a cool community, but, you know, I'm finally out of college. I finally have stuff. Much of I want to sell my stuff for these other people, right? And yet what you see in this early Christian community is that they're family. And I will go to any lengths to provide for my family, to protect my family. You see the sacrificial love that is just emanating from the early church. Jesus said that no greater love is there than this, he who lays down his life for his brother. And I used to think, yeah, dying for someone, that's the ultimate, right? Jumping in front of a bus, taking a bullet. And yeah, that, that is love, but he, he puts laying down your life for one another with pick up your cross daily and follow me. Because in some ways, it's almost easier to jump in front of the bus, right? It's a one moment, I'm done, and then I'm up in, with Jesus. But to daily lay down our lives, to daily open up our time and our resources to the family God has put us in, ch- in touch with, that's hard, and yet it's beautiful, and it's powerful. It's part of a Christian community exists for. And then we get to see the fruit of what happens, right? So you see the sacrificial love. You see following Christ's message. You see life together. You see prayer. And then you see this. From that day on, continued to meet together in, temple, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, this type of community was countercultural. It was different. People started to take notice, and they found favor with all the people. In fact, not only did they find favor, but people started to ask questions. Well, why are you guys acting this way? Why are you guys living this way? And what ended up happening was this type of sacrificial Christian community became an awesome platform to talk about Jesus, right? Because their answer wasn't because we're great people, right? Their answer was because we have a great loving and forgiving God who invited us into his family. And so now we treat each other like family. Jesus says this in John, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, the marks of the church, one of the ways the world identifies Jesus' people is supposed to be how we treat each other, how we love one another, how we lean in when someone is hurt, how we invite hurting people into our community, even when it's awkward, right? Because in the perfect community, the community I dream of, I never have any awkward moments. I never have any awkward relationships. 
There's no awkward pauses. I get along perfectly with everyone, right? But it's not real. God gives us real community. And he says, when you love real community with the freckles and spots and all, he goes, it is different, it is beautiful, and it is the testimony of Christ. We talked about prayer earlier. Bonhoeffer says this in Life Together, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the prayers of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. His face, where before may have been strange and intolerable to me, is transformed in intercession into a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. When we pray for one another, God knits his community together. It changes how we interact with each other. It changes how we see our Christian brother and sister. It's part of how Christian community is built. And so to end today, I don't want to just talk about what Christian community is. We're going to practice this. I know some people love this part of Acts. I know some people hate this part of Acts. But it's Christian community. And it's our community. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a few moments. Introduce yourself to someone you normally wouldn't talk to. And then get a prayer request from them. And commit this week to pray for whatever that is. So if it's with work, if it's with family, if it's with the house, whatever else, say hi. Chat for a couple of seconds. And then... Say, yeah, I'm going to be praying for you about that. We'll take five minutes and stand up and go. <laughs> so, one of the last aspects that Bonhoeffer talks about that really helps form and shape Christian community is the reality that we are honest together in confession. That, yeah, we're still trying to work this out. We've still got some brokenness. He says this, in confession occurs the breakthrough of the cross. The root of all sin is pride. I want to be my own law. I have a right to not my own elf, but my own self. My hatred and my desires, my life and my death. The mind and flesh of men are set on fire by pride. For it is precisely in its wickedness that a man wants to be God. Confession in the presence of a brother is the profoundest kind of openness. It hurts. It cuts a man down. It's a dreadful blow to pride. In the deep mental and physical honesty before a brother, which means before God, we experience the cross of Jesus as a rescue and salvation. The old man dies, but it is God who has conquered him. And then he says this, Now we share in the resurrection of Christ and eternal life. We're going to pray. We're going to be honest before God. Uh, then we're going to hear a responsive song about how he loves us. And that's going to lead us into communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you as children who, uh, even post-Jesus, were often in rebellion. Lord, our own pride, our own worst thinking gets in the way of what you would have us do. Lord, we come before you now honest that we need a God who still forgives, a God who still saves, but a God who sends us community to challenge us, encourage us, and to bring us together. Lord, we're thankful for you being a God who's really good at his job. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We continue our worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.